Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum, directed by Chad Stahelski and released in 2019. The plot of the movie goes something like this. John Wick is on the run after killing a member of the International Assassins Guild, and with a $14 million price tag on his head, he is the target of assassins everywhere. And as we usually do, we'll do a spoiler-free review up front to tell you whether we think you should see this movie, and then we'll move into spoilers after a warning. So, yeah, should people see this movie? I mean, I think if you love John, the John Wick franchise... Like if it's something that you're super into and you know all the lore and you're really into the characters and stuff, then you'll love this. Um, it feels very much like a movie that um, is it's in line with the last couple. It's got all the stuff that you go to see John Wick for. It goes pretty deep into the lore. So if you love all that stuff, then yeah. If you haven't seen any other John Wick movies, I don't recommend it because I don't think you'll understand you what's going on. I barely understood what's going on, and I've seen the other two. So I, I wouldn't recommend it for anybody who hasn't seen the first two movies. But, yeah, if you love it and it's your thing, or even if you just want to go see some really, really well choreographed action, then sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same. I just – if you're into this, sure. But I don't know how into this I am. <laughs> like you can see how it's quite well made. You can see that it knows film history. You can see that somebody's put a lot of thought into – these movies and the world building that goes behind them. But at the same time, they're really viscerally violent. And I know this comes a week after I was complaining that violence in a lot of movies doesn't have any consequences. Violence in these movies has lots of consequences. Kind Well, kind well sort of. But there's lots of dead henchmen. Yeah. And they're all killed. Like one of the strengths of, of the John Wick movies is really, really good fights. Hmm. But that means that – the violence feels very real, very up close, and they like to kill people in and because they're, they're movies about assassins. They like to kill people in increasingly creative ways, yeah, which is a lot. I I don't mind the visceral violence; I quite enjoy it. It's never been too much for me. Yeah. Um, the way they do it in these movies, we'll, we'll get into spoilers later. But there's one example that I can cite where they kind of pull back from the really really harsh stuff. The amount of violence heaped upon our John Wick without him, uh, really. <laughs> ever slowing down enough to you know actually stop for a while is a kind of amazing but uh yeah i mean that doesn't really bother me I, and i do enjoy the the fight choreo a lot yeah the thing is for me once it gets into like plot or tries to take a breather which you need in uh, however many hours relentless. yeah of action this is it it kind of goes off the rails a bit for me because I just can't figure out, like, they'll say a character's name and I'm like, who is that supposed to be? And, you know, they'll suddenly bring somebody back from, like, a movie ago and I'm like, I barely remember the last movie. Right. You've got to give me some context for these and things. And this is the, – the last movies came out in, I think, 2014 and maybe 2017. Mm. Like, it's been a while since we've seen these and I – I watched um, the first one. I watched at home. The second one we did for the mo- we did for the f- podcast. So I would have watched that at the cinema. But I don't. I haven't revisited these. No. It's not like the Avengers. I haven't done a rewatch recently. You know, and so I kind of yeah. I was the same. Like there's a character, and I can't remember the name of the actor anymore. Whose name is Mark something. Dukaskos. 
Dacascos, yeah, he was wonderful. He's a, an important character in this film. I really enjoyed his performance and I thought he was great. I didn't know his character name until the credits. No, I was, because I know who he is. I was calling him Mark Dacascos in my head and in my notes the whole way through. Yeah, he was great, but like we didn't know who he was. And then, the, yeah, as you say, there are other bits uh, where they'll, they'll mention a character by name and be like, wait, who is that? Yeah. The, it, it did start coming back to me after a while, but yeah, it d- this movie sort of expects you to be into the franchise in a way that I'm perhaps not. The thing I think from these movies is that they sacrifice everything at the altar of cool. And <laughs> yeah. that includes like story or logic a lot of the time. Mm. I, I mean, yeah, as far as like modern action movies go, these are very well made. They're creative. They're interesting. But at the end of the day, I'm not entirely sure that this franchise is really one that I'm that into. Yeah. I'd probably say the same thing. So um, we might get into the spoiler section of the film now. So if you want to see the movie, go see it and then come back and listen to the podcast. Um, so the bit I was going to mention before um, was they cut away um, without showing the knife going into the eye when John Wick stabs the guy through the eye. Mm-hmm. So I think like they do pull back from like really extreme stuff. Yeah. Um, they don't mind showing a few skewerings through the head here and there, but there's not like brain matter every- everywhere no, or anything. It- I mean, um, Jackie was gorier. It's still pretty intense, yeah. But yeah, no, you don't you don't see that. Like, and the um at the beginning, there's a fight in the library, which is really great. Mm. But and he kills the guy by creatively breaking his neck over a book, mm. which is quite cool. But they do pull the camera up. That is true. It's just, it's a lot. And the opening, and I timed it. Thirty minutes is just fight after fight after fight. Like he's just on the run, mm. and people are after him, and so he's got to fight off more and more people. And it's the that's before you anyone gets a breather in this film. So yeah, it's quite. A lot. I did write at one point, uh, how are they going to pace this during that? Because I yeah. was like, is this going to be the whole movie? But yeah. it was not the whole movie. No. I, 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 Almost unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, I think my sort of like timing things looking at my watch was not necessarily related to the movie's pacing being off. I think I don't actually think it was badly paced. I think no. there was – it did sort of build up. We, we had that relentlessness and then we had a bit of a break and then we had some new characters introduced and some other bits and I wasn't – you know, I, I didn't mind the way it was paced, to be honest. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sort of the same. I didn't mind the pacing so much. I just don't – I find all the law stuff really frustrating because everything is like in codes and riddles and all this sort of stuff and everything has another name for it and you're expected to remember all these names for things and what their like function is and all that sort of stuff in this big organization. And I know there was some of that stuff in the last movie, but I just well, can't yeah. remember it. The second movie went quite heavy on that stuff. But yeah, but there were certain things like I really loved um, Lawrence Fishburne's character and he was like, I am the Bowery. And I'm like, wait, I know they explained the Bowery in the last one, but I can't quite remember what that is this time. But I, I mean, it didn't stop me enjoying him because he was he's great fun. But yeah, there are things like that in there. From what I remember, it's like all the homeless people actually all work for – him and are yeah. a network of spies for him well, or I mean, something. I've, yes, that's what I figured given that like it was him and Jason Mansukas and all that Oops. kind of stuff. But it, it was also – you can kind of watch it without really knowing a lot of that detail. Mm. Um, yeah, but it is, it is all very much like this whole world that's built behind it that you're supposed to be following. Right. And I, I like, I'm sure last time, you know, they, he, they were like, oh, that dude was the, you know, newest member of the table. And I was like, I don't remember who this guy was yeah. at all. Like, I don't remember the consequences. I, mean, I can I remember the don't... Continental, but I'm like, wait, what's the high table again? Yeah, you know. Well, I remember the Continental because Lance Reddick is so good. Yeah. So you're like, and oh, Ian yeah. McShane as well. They're, yes. they're fun. But especially with Lance Reddick, you're like, because he's been all th- in all three mm. and he is like, 
a grounding presence, I think. And you sort yeah. of come up to him and you go, oh, yes, he's the guy who runs this hotel. Um, he is kind of like safety, I guess, in a way. Mm, yeah. Um, so he's memorable enough to me. But yeah, I, I found it really hard to and I, like, I was trying to recall John Wick 2 and I'm like, there's a lady and she kills herself in some water. And well, I, I was bits of it came back to me as I was watching it. Like when we got to Lawrence Fishburne, I was like, oh, the pigeons, right. And then, then I sort of remembered the whole lore about no, like they don't do anything on the internet. Everything's on these old eighties computers and ha- typed up on typewriters and things like that. Mm. Um, so that it's not on a network anywhere. They use dumb phones, things like so that kind of. Ca- and then there was a bit where Ian McShane asks Lance Reddick to set the mood with the lighting, and then oh, oh, I was like, oh yes, I remember they they did the light direction on their fights last time. And sort of bits came back as I went along. So I mean that was fine and all, but there's still quite a bit to enjoy here. And if I think if I hadn't like if I was more into it, I would really love this. Like mm. I, I know you can see it's really well made. There's lots of little nods to like film grammar in general. Like the it's leaning into the westernness of this character and the idea of the the lone assassin kind of thing. Like he literally rides a horse, which is kind of funny, but he also walks like a cowboy. Mm. Um I, I noticed like what some one of the concessions to all the various injuries that he has over time is that he walks like a man who's been injured. Um, he walks like I walk at the moment as a seven month pregnant person with very sore hips. Like he just kind of bow legged and all that kind of thing. And so, and they even lean into it a little bit with the music on the cowboy stuff. So it's got this understanding of cowboy stuff. And then he literally goes to Casablanca mm-hmm. uh, at one point in the movie. There's a couple of others that are like very obvious uh, references to other movies and to famous movies and film history and things like that. So it's clearly somebody who knows what they're about. Although of course the director is also um, the director got his start as um, Keanu stunt double in the matrix movie. So obviously the fights are where Chad Stahelski really shines yeah. with that stuff. I sort of I numbered all the fights. Like I wrote down what the <laughs> fights were in order with numbers. That would have been um, a really smart plan because that first thirty minute section had like three fights. It had yeah, it had three, three separate fights. Three individual fights and then there was one in the middle and then three at the end as well. Yeah. Um so even though it seems like the whole movie is a fight scene, there are actually seven. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, there's a lot, but we've got a bit in, in between. There's the bit with Angelina not Angel- Angelica, Angelica Houston. Houston, and then there's the Halle Berry bit, which has a fight in it, but also has some, you know, more downtime stuff. I feel like calling the thing that happens at Angelica Houston's place a fight is misleading. No, no, sorry, it's the it's a lull. Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. No, it's the sort of uh, one of the lull pieces. Okay, yeah, because they they just get massacred, and so do um, the yeah. rest of the people in the Bowery, but apparently not Zooks, but everybody else. We don't even see. I don't think we even see him in that section. And I'm like, you're making a point of him being in this movie. Why don't you make a point of him being in this section of the movie? Yeah, like Jason Manzukas, you mean? Yeah, Jason yeah. Manzukas, because he's at the beginning and mm. the end with um with Lawrence, with Lawrence Fishman. Why isn't he in that middle part? Like, how did he manage to escape? Was he just out? They don't bother to explain these things. No. That's what frustrates me. As a film goer for these movies, it's like, but I want to like, you're expecting us to keep track of all these things. But then when we do keep track of them, you don't bother explaining when it doesn't like things don't happen. Yeah. And and there's bits and there's the way it's shot is 
that they really try and get the camera in there so that you kind of feel like you're part of the action, but it also means you don't necessarily always see what's going on. Mm. Going back to the Halle Berry sequence, after we've had the lull, we have a fight and she has two dogs and a dog gets shot. And a dog, the dog is wearing a bulletproof vest and the dog gets shot, but it's not immediately clear that the dog has been shot in the vest and therefore will be saved. Like you thought for a while that the dog had just died. I was like, but that bullet didn't hit there. And when she pulled, I saw her pull it out, but I was like, and because there's so much, like, the co- the concentration is on how cool does this fight look, not necessarily telling the audience what they need to know to keep track of the plot and the movie that's going on around them. Yeah, I, to me it just feels like there's not enough of, like, set up and payoff. And yeah, stuff. yeah, no, it's not. It just, it's really all about putting you into cool action fight sequences. Yeah. And there's other things that I kept noticing, like, he, he runs through times square at one point and there's mm-hmm. a big buster keaton movie playing right yeah and i was like is that going to mean something but unless it meant something obscure i'm not sure what it meant in relation to the film and then this coming back to what i was talking about the western iconography before i was like are we gonna you know see a bit of high noon are we gonna see some john wayne movies coming like no no it's just we can see the similarities between him and some of the classic western characters so we'll just lean into that a bit yeah but yes having said all that when um, the fights are an appropriate length. <laughs> Sometimes mm. I think they go on a bit long, in, in especially in sets that they think are really cool, and I'm like, no, this is <laughs> headache-inducing, and I'm sick of it. The, the mirror-slash-screen oh, one. I hate that set. The, the glass-everywhere neon set just drives me crazy. It's not as cool as they think it is, right? Like, I think it's, it's sort of largely impressive because they managed to hide all the cameras mm. and stuff, and it's technically impressive, but it's dizzying. And it's really hard to be in there for the solid, what, 10, 15 minutes that we were in there for. Yeah. The, I didn't enjoy that. By the, the time it got to the fight between Keanu Mark Dacascos, I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. Yeah, the actual fight between those two is really good. It is. At the end. I enjoyed it. And I think I was less bothered by the set than you because I was more dazzled by the technical yeah. prowess involved. But, yeah, I can definitely – it definitely did go on a bit. And the conceit of, like, oh, he's really behind glass thing – you can only sort of do so much of that mm. and it, it it has to be done really well for that to work well. We've, we've watched something. Oh, the Rock Skyscraper movie had a bad one of those in it, like much worse than this. This was better than that. But, yeah, yeah it's it's really something you shouldn't be overusing. No, I agree. And uh, so for my in my head, for some reason, I always go get back to Tango and Cash mm. for the like Hall of Mirrors yeah. shootout. But there's there were definitely more famous ones than other ones. I, I just that, always go back to that. That is my... probably the most ca- famous one. But I, I no, there's of, definitely um, a Bond one. Yeah, the Man with the Golden Gun. That's the one I think of with um, Christopher Lee as Scaramanga. I mm. think that's the most famous one. I don't know why my brain but always goes to Tango I, and I Cash. I feel like Tango and Cash is pretty famous. So yeah, but yeah. Um, I, I was frequently dazzled by the technical prowess, though. Um, oh, yeah. The, on the bikes, I always thought it was super impressive. And the, the horse, the, the motorbikes and horse going along was shot really impressively and very cool. And you could always tell what was going on, too. Yeah. That was really cool. A, a shout-out, I think, to the animal handlers in this film because there's a whole bunch of horses who, like, have to kick on cue and, like, horses who have to stand there while, like, gunfire and motorbikes and all this kind of stuff is going on. Obviously, there's – um, Keanu's dog who spends most of the time being well dog sat but um, thank god thank god yeah but then there's also Halle Berry's dogs who are like attack dogs like wolves almost which I, I kind of 
like whoever the animal handlers on this had quite a job. There was also at one point a really great cat who lives in a sashimi bar, just sits on the on the counter eating whatever leftover fish it can get. I'm I very much related to that animal. Um, yeah, I think there was a fair few moments when uh, Halle Berry's dogs, which I think were German shepherds, yeah, were, they look um, like that to me, were CG dogs. Yeah, well, I mean, like when that one climbed up onto a roof mm. was kind of ridiculous. Um, well, dogs can do that, and you could probably sure. train a dog to do that, but I don't think that that dog did it in that situation. No. Um, I, I think there's and there's one there's one point when it's running across barrels or something. Yeah, that yeah. looked fake to yeah, me. Yeah, it, it does like a gymnastics thing. Yeah, no, it didn't look real that stuff at all. I mean. I, th- I think the point of that was to kind of show dogs in another context of like not just like loyal, friendly pets, but like dogs who can be violent and fighting dogs and dogs showing off their wolf instincts. I kind of thought the point of that was that the dogs could get all the humans back for all the shooting of them that they do in these movies or killing of them that they do. I well, felt yeah, like yeah, it that's was a revenge, problem. like the dog's revenge movie where they get to kill yeah. the humans back. I mean, that's also true. Yeah, they do go for the crotch at least a couple of times. Yeah. I don't – the fr- frustrating thing for me, I think, in the Halle Berry stuff, apart from the fact that Halle Berry was quite hammy in this and I thought it was weird. I, ju- I have a note here, Halle Berry acting. Yeah, I, <laughs> I wrote hammy Halle. So, yeah, she um, was uh, – yeah, her, she wasn't that strong. No. I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure she's ever been a truly strong actress, but, yeah, she wasn't good in this. It was it was it was a strange combination with what Keanu Reeves is doing as well. Mm. Um, but um, apart from that, it's also like – he, the guy who um, they go to, um, who is honestly kind of dull, yeah. um, he's like, oh, give me your dog as payment. And she says no. And I'm like, what did you think was going to happen in a John Wick movie Yeah, I know. <laughs> when he asks for your dog and you said no? Like, did you really think that the dog was not going to get shot at that point? The fact that he didn't shoot the dog in the head, which wasn't protected by anything bulletproof, is kind of a miracle, especially since that's one of the major points of these movies. Well, this was the thing. Like, I, that was why I was like, that dog is dead because he didn't – like, the shot – from what I could tell from the way that was filmed, did not go anywhere near that dog's little bulletproof jacket. No. Well, I, yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah. But also like – and then the dog is fine too. Yeah, like bulletproof People fine. being shot in bulletproof things still get bruised ribs and stuff. Yeah, that's right. Although I am an expert on this. Dogs are very tough. <laughs> I, my uh, my dog has been fallen on – like my tiny little, you know, half Jack Russell has been fallen on by a massive dog once and she just sort of – whimpered for like 30 seconds and she was like no i'm fine i'm fine i was like what do you mean you're fine yeah, and a german german shepherds are pretty pretty freaking tough and mm. yeah yeah so i'm just gonna go through i think my notes a bit yep there's there's also like when i'm talking about um sacrificing everything at the altar of cool mm. there's those like tattooed pink wearing secretaries who are mostly women except for the one who gets the most lines uh, which is played by um the dude from gotham yes um yeah, the yeah. penguin i think he's quite good actually i kind of liked yeah. him in the in that robin look. something lord lord taylor robin taylor lord uh, something like that it's one of those one of those funny names yeah but yep. he um i enjoyed him in that but like there's something really, really old school sexist about the way these movies operate. And mm-hmm. uh, and I especially notice this in that they don't seem to be able to hold on to women. Like, I'm pretty sure Ruby Rose didn't die in the last one. No. So she could have come back, but she doesn't. And all of those girls are styled like her as well, like with the tattooed art, like tattooed sleeves and the 
um, but that's not how Ruby Rose queer was styled. haircuts and stuff. In oh no, she wasn't. She was yeah. She was more like um yeah styled more like Asia Kate Dillon is in this one. Yeah, she had a suit and was yeah. like more um because she was part of the more assassiny side of things, yeah, yeah, not yeah. the secretary side of things. But the the way that they like they're like oh it'd be really cool if all the all the secretaries have like all these tattoos but is still dressed in like pink and I'm like Ew? yeah. With, yeah, it's ill. that sort of, I don't know, maybe like five, ten years ago, like that rockabilly aesthetic that was mm. everywhere, Suicide Girls, all that stuff. But, yeah, it, it is a bit retro sexist. Yeah. At least they had a dude doing it. But, yeah, then he gets more lines than any of the women who were doing it. Yeah, oh, except there's for... an older woman who does the announcements. Like, True. Yeah. But, yeah, um, I, I'm not a huge fan of that whole thing. Um, I'm not a huge fan of that. I mean, and also, like, you'd think there'd be at least a few more female henchmen in these groups. Yeah. Right? Or a few more female, like, crime lords in these groups. Why are all where are, of them... Where are the Halle Berry-style, you know, assassins in training? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like, do they all just suddenly become, like, Halle Berry? Enough? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, and... or are they all, like, mob bosses like Angelica Houston? Uh, yeah. I, I couldn't figure... I, I sort of have skipped that in my notes a lot because I'm like, I couldn't quite figure out what that was going for. That no, felt to me like it was lifted from something else. Well, it, it's that whole the Baba Yaga, he's supposed to be from the Belarus thing that that is a line that has run through the other films, which I remembered. Um, but, but the Baba Yaga thing I feel like is not... I don't think that's related to his Russianness. I think his Russianness is a convenience. Yeah. Um, I think the Baba Yaga thing is just from the first film, um, the Baba Yaga is like... Um, a creature of legend who uh fucks things up basically and yeah, is yeah. like a, a boogeyman sort of figure yeah and i just, but also in some stories tends to be a vengeful figure well, and this is another issue that the movie has with like it draws on all this symbolism from catholicism from russian orthodox from japanese culture that just kind of throws it in there like there's this russian orthodox you know the big crosses and things like that and, and it just kind of like it, it it seems to be like borrowing from older cultures to make it make its own seem more deep. Yeah. But truly the most stressful part of the movie for me and the most kind of brutal part of the movie for me was the ballet dancers and the wrestlers. Oh god. In Angelica Houston's like you know, compound or whatever yeah. she had. And that freaked me out more than any of the other stuff. Like I was that upset me more. Um watching the ballerinas have to do it over and over again, watching the like teenage boy wrestlers yeah. all just sitting around wrestling each other like freaked me out i didn't like that yeah well i mean and and she has like a great line about art is suffering suffering is pain or something <laughs> art is pain pain is suffering i can't remember art is pain life is suffering life is suffering yeah and it's all very like it feels a bit like the um you know the red room stuff they tried to do with natasha in the <laughs> avengers movies like that sort of uh, I, I don't See, know what, I loved that Red Room stuff when it sure, was an Agent Carter. Sure, but they're trying they're trying to do something there about like the pain of art, like particularly particularly ballet. Ballet is we've talked about this before, so tough mm. on the body, and it really is. And, and this movie really viscerally shows it. Like there's a ballerina pulling her toenail off. Yeah, and then there's the one that she makes do it over and over again, and you she's see, like got blood on her blood, legs and yeah, stuff coming out of it. And it's that sort of like the physical toughness of ballerinas when the whole point of ballet is to not show any of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, that there's a certain, you know, beauty and art in that. Yeah. But uh, I think I was more upset because the people there were clearly really young. Yeah, yeah. So that ups, always does upset me more. I don't yeah, like yeah. child abuse. No. Um, but, yeah, um, 
so and then that section also I started getting frustrated with the rules, right? <laughs> um, also, when they go in, when he goes in there, there's a sign that says "Tale of Two Wolves," mm. which was very on the nose. But uh, yeah, the, the, there's her talking about like they talk about how he has a ticket, mm. and then they're going to put him on the lifeboat. I'm going to tear your ticket and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, just just say, just call it what it is. Stop with all the names for things that aren't descriptive descriptive yeah. of what they are. It annoys me. Yeah. And we never see the lifeboat. She says, put him on the lifeboat, but we don't know what that is. Is it a plane? It probably wasn't a boat. He seemed to get there super quick, like go from you know New York oh. to Morocco really quickly. No, there was no nothing to tell us about that. No. What I did like, the, the writing that I particularly liked was – Lawrence Fishburne's lines. He has great lines. I was going to talk about that. He he's really Shakespearean yeah. and takes advantage of him as a like a really good Shakespearean actor. But like modern Shakespearean, like the mm. slang and stuff that he's using is modern, but it's in this kind of old fashioned. I cadence. love that. Yeah, the way he yeah. speaks. He speaks. It's uh, there's a lot in common with um like modern rap music and Shakespeare. It's mm. often in um, iambic pentameter and stuff like that. And he his um lines all have a real rhythm to it. And I mean some of them are old fashioned. Like at, uh, when he's about to be stabbed, he's like, "The king is dead. Long live the king." Like yeah. that's you know pretty yeah, standard thing to say. But the way he delivers that, especially when you compare it to uh, <laughs> Ian McShane, who has the the title line, which is um sick bis passum parabellum which if you want peace prepare for war the way he delivers that is supposed to be like shakespearean and big and whatever but it has nothing on the way Lawrence fishburne like talks about his pigeons yeah i think i feel like ian, ian mcshane is not devouring the scenery quite as much no, as Lawrence fishburne is. is um but he he also has a line that he says he calls his barry the information super flyway which yes. made me so happy it, it, <laughs> it delighted is, me he talks like a rapper it's amazing yeah it was brilliant i yeah. loved that so yeah he has great lines and i the writing for it is so good that it feels like it's from something else yeah i know because it's almost like he wrote his own lines they were so good i know because like the if he's got writing that good, why aren't the others? Although I do like that they write the way the different characters are written. They don't all sound the same. Mm. They all sound like different people. They're not all using similar kind of, you know, cadence and phrases and things. They're all yeah. quite different. So um, Angelica Houston feels quite different, but and so does Lance Reddick. Mm. Um, but the other one I – somebody else. Oh, um, um, Mark Cascos. Yeah. He goes – he seems like this really scary guy, right? Yeah. And you don't know why he's so interested in hunting down John Wick and everything. And then it turns out that he's just like a really big fanboy of John Wick. Yeah, and he wants that scalp. Which is – no, not even that. He like – he is just a really big fan. Yeah, and like, he wants, he wants to, to fight him. just like him. Yeah. He wants to fight him because he wants to earn his – Respect. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's really, really funny. And Mark mm. Dacascos plays it really well. Mark Dacascos is sort of a cult actor. Yeah. Like, he um, he was the Iron Chef. Um, oh, okay. He was kind of – yeah, he, he's kind of like – been in some cult movies and tv shows so he's more of a kind of a campier i'd say actor yes um but i think the way that that fits into this movie is really good yeah well there's a wonderful sort of pause when everyone's uh, before john wick turns up and when they're getting ready for battle where he's shaving his head yeah just sitting there like in a barber's chair finishing off shaving his head and he's kind of caught off guard yeah just before it all happens um yeah stuff like that like he is he's a little bit campier but he doesn't go 
so big that it doesn't work for this movie. I mm. think he f- he fit in really, really well yeah. in this movie, and I really enjoyed him in this. He mm. was probably my favorite new addition. Um, I thought yeah. Asia Asia Kate Dillon, thank you, was really good, and I was really also surprised to see that she had not been in horror movies because I was like, this is a person that was made for horror movies. Well, see, I love them because they are in um Billions, which I watch, which you don't. They, they, them. Sorry, that's her. That's their pronouns. Okay, thanks. Sorry. Um, and so I love them in in billions, and I was like, oh my god, they're getting a chance in this big movie, and that what they do is very much the same sort of shtick as billions, but but their whole thing is like that sort of really straight laced stuff. So yeah. yeah, no, I'm I'm quite a fan. I liked it when they were coming apart a little bit. Um, yeah. When they suddenly started realizing they were losing, um, I think they did some good subtle stuff, mm. but they were so like out of or removed from the action almost that yeah. that kind of I was like, yeah, come on. I know, and they had the best know. costumes as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I think they could have been used better almost. Yes. Yeah, I, I was a little as a person who has seen what they can do in Billions and the way that that show really worked with them on sort of their strengths. I think. Yeah, I was a little disappointed. So that would have been um, nice to see a little bit more of them and a little bit more of what they can do because I think they could have put more layers into it mm. if they'd been given the chance. But again, these movies are kind of like theatrical old school big characters. Yeah. They don't really go into layers. I mean, it's not like John Wick is a person with layers. Yeah. He doesn't have layers. <laughs> he is no. a single-minded guy. No, no. And and a lot of the um sort of – commentary around this is that like these movies actually know how to use Keanu Reeves by mm. just leaning into what makes Keanu Keanu. Yeah, exactly. Um and look, I have no problems with Keanu Reeves getting a comeback. Like I love Keanu Reeves. Mm. He is a wonderful human being and deserves the world. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that he's the greatest actor. But he's great in these because he's just sort of and he his action work is fantastic. Yes. And that's what you need is somebody who can do that. Yeah, his action stuff and the sense that he's been through some shit. Yeah. Like he's lived a long life and because he's lived so publicly since he was so young, there's people know about all those horrible tragedies that have happened to him and things that have happened in his real life. And you still get the sense that he's a really decent person with, you know, big reserves of empathy. Did you see the um – I think it was Stephen Colbert was interviewing him and was like, what happens to us when he when we die? And Keanu Reeves goes, I know that the people who love us will miss us. Yeah, so I, I did. I was it like, was oh. beautiful. But, like, Keanu was actually someone who's lost – he lost his wife and daughter. Yeah. Like, and he was really close friends with River Phoenix. Like, yeah. I, I, it's also – like, I mean, I know that happened a long time ago, but also he's a guy who's really been through some losses yeah. in his life. And um, – and yet he just seems to be just this fundamentally really decent, kind person. Yeah, I literally, before coming here, just read a story on Twitter about um, from some guy in Sydney. Yeah. Did you see that one? <laughs> this morning my husband was texting it to me. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, and Keanu Reeves came into the cinema and the guy tried to like awkwardly figure out a way to ask for his autograph yeah and Keanu was confused so he just kind of gave up and then like Keanu went and bought an ice cream and came back with the receipt so he could sign it for him because he realized that he was trying to get the autograph yeah it's so cute <laughs> it is and every story you hear about him is yeah. always like the sweetest thing yeah so. yeah but he contains multitudes so like he's also extremely private and extremely protective of his privacy yeah. um despite the fact that he's super famous um so he's kind of like all of that real life experience plays into this character. Mm. So yeah, I'll just 
go through like the like I said, the, the best stuff is the fight scenes and mm. the um they they do a really good job of not only like choreographing one on one fight scenes, but several people on one fight scenes. They don't do too much of the come at me one at a time thing. Mm. He manages a big fight scene with multiple moving parts. All that stuff is so cool. Yeah. And whenever that stuff is going on and, you know, the, and then when people get cre- killed in creative ways, it's always really cool and interesting. Oh, yeah. They put so much work into that. Yeah. yeah. I also wanted to talk a little bit about the raid, which we haven't seen. No, but we want to watch. desperately want to watch because I can see its fingerprints on, like, every action movie since it came out, mm. but we've never seen the, the original movies. And in this, they actually have two actors from the raid. Mm. Um, and I knew because they also were in Star Trek, uh, Star Wars, yes. The Force Awakens, and I knew from behind the scenes stuff that they were guys from the raid. And so as soon as I saw them in this movie, I'm like, are those the guys from the raid again? Is that the two guys who fight like the second last fight? Yes. Yeah. yeah. They are so great. That is they a are. really good fight. That Mark Dacascos is like offsiders. Yeah. The students. Yeah. But the thing is, both of those are probably the best fights. Hit those guys and then Mark, mm. but they're also in my least favorite set. So that annoys me. But mm. um but those guys did such a good job. And also like they do the slightly heightened sort of Jackie Chan style, like mm. like when the guy gets trapped in his jacket, he does the kind of comedy face stuff that I thought I always find really fun. Yeah. Um they were really big and memorable and like they start out the fight by going, It's an honor to fight you, Mr. Wick. Yeah. Um, and then the fight with him and Mark Dukaskos. What another thing I loved about it is like these are two dudes who are around 50 they're the same age they're both 50 in their 50s like 50 55 54 they're both born in 1964 so like yeah i can never keep up with how old keanu reeves is supposed to be um yeah vampire yeah but um that fight scene moves so fast and you can see that it's the real guys doing it i was like this is so cool i know it's so impressive to watch those two guys go through like that choreography that fight choreography it's it's kind of like watching dancing it it is it's or watching michelle yo who's of a similar age and does similar choreography in a lot of her projects like it's crazy and it's so good and i mean it kind of they've both you know been doing it for 30 years and have been fighting it's so good and i I love that the end of it when he like sits up with the sword to him and he's like that was a good fight huh yeah (laughs) and and John's like, yeah, it was. But- is that that bit at the end though? That's meant to look like a um, is it a traditional samurai death, like where they stab themselves? Probably I seppuku. Think. Seppuku, yeah. But they do that to themselves, so yeah. So it's not it's not quite. He didn't do it to himself, but no, I, he, I did. He tries. I also love. I think that. Sorry, I just think that was meant to be a yeah, meant to look like a seppuku death. Okay, I also love the way that he keeps trying to do the villain thing of being like oh we're not so different you and i and john's just like yeah no but when we are (laughs) like it's just not working and that was really like it's such a fun take on that character to me i thought that was really cute yeah because these movies are so these so relentless and so dark that like those little moments really make it yeah exactly i think that last fight sequence both you know both fights probably turned me around a lot on it like that i probably early on was like oh my god this is so hard such hard going yeah and that last that sequence at the end was yeah yeah so okay so i'm gonna go through a little bit and see if i missed anything important Mm -hmm. there's also a section where like john puts a whole gun together 
mm. like does a whole gun assembly thing for one shot out of the gun, uh-huh. which I thought was interesting. That scene, I think that that going into the horse and then going out might have been my favorite little section because that scene was really, really well put together and they put in knife like fight choreography which i don't know if they've done before at least not to that extent yeah it was knife throwing as well yeah cool like knife throwing and and you know getting the weapons out and using them and stuff was really neat yeah they've tried different choreography they've clearly tried to step up some of that stuff as well because later on there's an underwater gunfight yes that also goes on that was fine but it wasn't as i thought the knife stuff was a bit cooler and then he throws the axe into the head from like that that shot was cool that was a really good nicely framed shot Uh yeah (laughs) and then um the horse bit i got stressed because i was like that's a lot of bullets flying around the horses yeah i was very stressed about the horses i mean also he like punches the horse so it'll kick somebody well he just kind of hits the hits its but yeah and the horse kicks which yeah i was a bit stressed about that as well because i think they were real horses and then there was a lot of noise and stuff going on i was like these they're they're being awfully calm i was Um, worried about the horses too the horses and the ballet dancers that just stand around when things are happening and don't stop whatever they're doing and then this this also um when mark dacascos and his guys come to um meet john wick at the train station they kill a bunch of guys with People just walk. Actually, there was a woman in that part. It was a guy and a woman. Yeah. It was just the only time we get to see a female um, henchman in the whole movie and she gets killed off very quickly by the yeah, I other mean, dudes. But well, yeah, yeah, I know. I was thinking there's there a couple of times when I, was, I thought that. I was like, this is Grand Central Station. Somebody would notice yeah. if bullets started flying and people started killing each other. I know. that. Well, they didn't. They cut them with not, they like. Yeah, they cut oh, That's right. They did that. But, but then they dropped notice. them to the ground. They, they would notice. Like, you know? Even in New York where they don't pay attention to what other people's business are, they would notice murders. Yeah. And, <laughs> and like our attention is drawn to the fact that it's Grand Central and that there's like a field trip of children walking through, you know? Yeah. That was crazy to me. So the, we also saw the bit with the doctor who's like, oh, yeah, that la- the stab in the shoulder nicked the artery. And I'm like, buddy he would not. be bleeding out so much more than this if it nicked an artery <laughs> yeah oh i just I, in the um in the mark Dukaskis fight i just i wrote down a, um, a shot that was really cool uh there's a point at which um john wick emerges from the dark and it's actually a little bit of a jump scare mm. it's really beautifully well, done he's, he, yeah he's flipping the thing that the ninjas have kept doing to him yeah <laughs> which is really cool keep vanishing on him and i'm like <sighs> That always annoys me anyway in yeah. movies because I'm like, no, people wouldn't don't be that, do that easy. It always it annoyed me every time anybody called him Jonathan, <laughs> which is silly, but it just does. Well, I- yeah, because where did that come from? Because uh, he seems to have a Russian name, which I think dates back to the last film. Okay, which is something else. But like Jordani, something. Yeah, Jordani. But like John and Jonathan are usually separate names, especially yeah. spelt that way. So I, it was weird. Like, there's no reason for him to be called by a longer version of a name that he doesn't have. Yeah. In the mint fight, it was really cool to see Halle Berry get to do some of the choreo. She did a really good job of the fight stuff. She, oh yeah, no, she's quite good. She was quite good on the action. It was the acting that was not as uh, strong as I had hoped for. But you know, but the best moment still isn't hers. It's when John. And the two guys that he's fighting run out of bullets at the same time. And they have to do like a simultaneous reload. It was really funny and really neat 
little moment that was played really well, I thought. Yeah, and shows up his uh, John's skill as an assassin. Oh, yeah, we completely skipped the crappy desert stuff, although that's understandable. <laughs> I did get, I was excited about to see, say, Tamudi, who was yeah. in um, Wonder Woman. Yes. No, it was good to see him show up. But uh, like, he also, he's like, has to walk to the edge of the desert. So he keeps going up dunes. Like up the side of dunes, and I'm like, this is just for a pretty shot. Yes, surely there would be an easier way to get through. And the only real point of going to see the guy in the desert is that he says you've got to kill Winston. And at which point, both of us went, wait, which one's Winston again? (laughs) Which, like, it's Ian McShane, but he's never called by his character name up until this point. And look, I know you like, and this is another example of these movies expecting you to have watched all three of them, all the other two, just before you saw this one, so that you'll remember stuff like that. But I, like, I haven't. And I don't. Yeah. I I kept noticing how greasy his hair must be. And also nobody eats in these movies. (laughs) Like, John never eats. He goes around and does all these things and never stops for, like, food and water and basic things that humans need for survival. They make a whole point about water at one point. Yeah. (laughs) With Halle Berry, like, swishing it around in her mouth and spitting it back into the bottle for no reason. Well, there's sort of um... (sighs) – a lot of that stuff, like these movies are supposed to, like all three movies are supposed to take place over like a week of time. And there's, um, when he's in the desert, the guy gives him a fresh suit and I'm like, yeah, it's about damn time. His, his shirt is filthy and you can see it. And like your, your attention is drawn to things like that, like that his, mm-hmm. his, his jacket is torn or his shirt is really filthy and well, there's blood everywhere. Well, his jacket never gets torn because it's a, it's, it's a bulletproof, yeah, bulletproof one. Yeah. But his, his shirt gets really dirty and his, you see like the sweat around his collar and stuff, but you're like, well... Yeah, there's no kind of – they don't use any respite time to allow him to do that. Actually, yeah, I was thinking like, – he'd been through so much by the time he got to Halle Berry's place. I was like and, – and she has him sitting on the couch waiting for her. I'm like, he must need to pee at this point, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I know. You know. Like you don't ever – yeah, but there's no sort of – I mean, there's not a lot of concession to the fact that he's human in any case. Like the injuries that he gets and he still like gets up and – walks i mean he does have this very distinctive walk of like a cowboy who's you know maybe got bad hips or whatever but still well yeah but he keeps getting up and keeps getting up he gets smashed through a ridiculous amount of he gets glass hit by two cars he gets at one hit point by two, in the beginning he gets hit by two cars um and then separately the end, he gets dropped down off a building the guy's dead he'd be dead yeah dropped from a very great shot and dropped off a building from a great height so like ridiculous. there's no way um I was also irritated by the pretentious chess set. In <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that whole set. And the, I, and the I, glass I could just, desk because just the happily... important business happens under the table. Yeah. I would happily yeah. do away with that whole set. It doesn't look anything like the rest of the Continental. No, which is really – it's got like really beautiful sort of – it suits the art deco-ness of the yeah. building. Yeah. I just hate it. I don't like it at all. Um, and then they've got a freaking fireplace on the roof. There's two sequences. The la- that last sequence at the Continental, um, which is and apparently that's the room where Asia Kate Dillon's been waiting all this time, and the Jerome What's His Name in Casablanca both have outdoor rooms, which are like under the stars or whatever. It, uh, the Jerome's is on um, like the ramparts of a castle, mm. and they're both like completely outdoors and they're fully furnished and they look like real rooms, but like. Especially in New York, surely rain and weather is a factor here. Like I would just, I was just like, "This, why are they putting all this fancy furniture out in the elements?" In both insane. cases, it was both but really fi- weird. Why would you have a fireplace on a rooftop? 
Yeah. It's silly. It's doing nothing. It's not exactly. It's not heating up a room. That's what fireplaces are for. There's not a room there. <laughs> I mean, you might have outside. some fire to heat up. But I mean, the, you do still do have heat sources outdoors, like campfires yes. and whatnot. But it it seems really weird. And I was like, oh, but surely it's a those rooftop. You do that, like you might yeah. have a campfire or like a little fireplace, like on the outside of your building well, for hanging out. Particularly, it's a. It's not that. It's a rooftop. It's weird. Yeah, and and that, where's the chimney? Yeah. And I was like, surely that those walls are just like made from the same screen stuff that the other room is made from. But nope, nope, it's actually supposed to be outdoors. The Moroccan one I could kind of get behind because I was like, well, it's a desert country mm. and they, they, they have a tradition of tents and things like that that you might – that's why you might put, you know, an outdoor room there. But the New York one, totally ridiculous. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and that's actually – I know it's – I happen to know it's a popular like LA trend to have like – a indoor out, bar or outdoor whatever. spaces and all that sort of stuff. Right, sure. But um, it just doesn't make any sense in New York to have a, a whole room on your roof. Not not in that way. Like no. it, something you could pack down when it rains or cover when it rains yeah. or snows or, you know. Um, I did also was excited to see Lance Reddick get some action in this one. Yes, yes, he does. Um, it was cool to see him going around shooting people. Anyway. Yes. Uh, we should probably rate this movie. Yeah, um, I'm going to go with three stars because it's very competently made. I don't think it's for me and I think it's got some problems, but it's you can't deny the skill and talent that goes into the action stuff in yeah. these films. I mean, yeah, I'm also going to give it three stars because it's well made and not for me. I also think that like people who love these movies are going to get more out of it than we did. Mm. It is clearly made for people who care about all this lore and are really into it and are discussing it online and all that sort of stuff. I am not one of those people. And so I just don't really like, I'm not going to pay enough attention to all that stuff to really understand the whole mechanics of it. And also it seems so like at the beginning we had one assassin and then other people knew about him and, you know, we knew there were more assassins. But now it seems like everybody in New York is an assassin. Like he goes past so many people in Morocco. He gets there and is immediately recognized. He's in a taxi and he gives them one of the magic coins and is like, oh, take him to the Continental. And the guy goes, yes, sir, Mr. Wick. And I'm like, do all the taxi drivers know him too? Like how yeah. many systems are involved in this assassin system? How many people know about this secret si- system of assassins? This clearly isn't our world anymore. No. And that is, it's too much for me. It just isn't. It's, yeah, it's a lot without – yeah, it, it is doing fan service, but it's quite alienating if you're not actually a fan. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I think that's it. It's alienating yeah. if you if you don't really love it. Yeah, if you're not deeply involved. Okay. Well, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like show notes or old episodes, you can find them on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.